Hi there, and thanks for tuning in to the Four-Eyed Radio Network. You're about to listen to another proud presentation brought to you by Revenge Lover Designs. Stand out from the crowd. For more information, visit revengelover.com and mention the podcast for 10% off of your order. Wallop and web snappers. My spider sense is tingling. Anybody else's spider sense tingling? Welcome to Walloping Web Snappers, a Spider-Man podcast where we dive into every Spider-Man cartoon ever made. I'm Derek. And I'm Doug. And it's where spider sense tingling. It is. And insert your favorite Shakespeare quote here, because this literature major never memorized any, and at this point, probably never will. To listen to this show, find us on 4 and wherever you get your podcasts. This podcast is brought to you by Revenge Lover Designs, illustration and design that fit your personality. For samples and inquiries, visit revengelover.com. <laughs> Hi. Hi. Um, we're talking about an episode that has Shakespeare <laughs> stuff in it, and that's a not spectacular Spider-Man, weirdly enough. <laughs> yeah. Imagine my surprise. I was so unprepared. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, it's it's MTV Spider-Man. You know what all the hip MTV kids like? It's Shakespeare. Love it. Uh, Shakespeare and just random science words to make you sound smart. Uh, this episode's uh-huh. very silly. <laughs> it is. But it's not bad no it's it's not bad it's not bad it's i don't call it like super good either it's just a very um it's like the most i would say superhero show episode i feel like it's like the most superhero-y or not most superhero-y but most just like straightforward maybe it's the most like think? childish episode of this show, and I know that that word has a lot of <laughs> wow. bad kind of no, no, no. But I mean that in in the sense that like this is a this is such a plot that would that would be in a Saturday morning cartoon. It it is just such a basic like kid plot. Like, what if you got a medicine that made you super smart at school? Like, that's that's what this episode is. Yeah, like <laughs> yeah. It's, it's fun. It, it is a silly comic book plot, and I kind of appreciate. That the show does at least one of those. <laughs> yeah, for sure. I mean, I honestly, hmm, I don't necessarily think I would go so far as to say I wish it would do more, but I think that this show could yeah. benefit from doing more. <laughs> yeah, yeah. If that I, makes this, sense. <laughs> it's it's definitely not a dark episode. Which uh, No, you know. but it has things that do feel like they are of this show. For sure. You know what oh, I mean? For sure. Yeah. Um, we'll, we'll talk about it, you know. Yeah. One of the the only real production thing I have from it that I thought was kind of interesting, but also like not surprising at all, because this is another one of those commentaries where like there's not there's a few things that I'll bring up as we're talking about the episode. But for the most part, there wasn't just not a ton that they're talking about in, about the episode itself. But the director of it did note that and I quote said this particular episode required a lot of real character moments. It was particularly interesting because it's an episode unlike a lot of episodes because it has a lot more characters and humor than normal. And uh, I think that was, I don't remember which director said that, but I know Sebastian Broden, one of the other directors did note that it was weird going from the lizard episode, which was the last one he directed and had a lot of action and horror stuff in it to this one, which doesn't have a ton of action in it. It is a little more on the people doing people stuff side 
but he said he uh, really enjoyed focusing on the character stuff here. I do think it's funny. They keep referring to character stuff. I don't think it's a very character centric episode. I think it's just an episode that just doesn't have like monsters and stuff in it. Yeah. <laughs> I really struggle to understand some of these creators when they talk about this show. One, I don't know that all of them think that they're making the same show. Uh, yeah, I could. I get that sense too. That's one thing. And then some of them, I feel like I don't understand what they mean when they describe certain things. <laughs> like when they describe a character heavy episode, uh, I don't think they all have the same understanding of what that means as like I would, or you would, or even what each other would, you know what right. I mean? It's like, it's what's making this series so difficult to pin down sometimes is like, I think they were all just not necessarily making the same show. Yeah. <laughs> it's really weird. I wouldn't call this a character centric episode either, but I guess when you're talking like using your specific character models that you have to, to, to talk a lot, maybe that's what they mean. <laughs> because, because you, you pulled plenty of character analysis out of the lizard episode. You know what I mean? Like, that's what's so funny to me about this is like, not that the lizard necessarily did justice to characters or like, you know, set up or paid off a whole lot of characters across the series or anything like that. But like, it's not like that was, I mean, one of the things that I, I kind of wished the lizard episode had been given the way it ended was like, I wish it had been more of a monster story. I wish it had been more of a straightforward, scary monster story. <laughs> like, so it's yeah. just so funny listening to them talk about these things it and is. the examples they give of like, what is character and what is not character and what is humor. <laughs> Sometimes. Oh, yeah, I know the humor. Yeah, this is such like, a fun What are episode. you guys talking about? Sometimes I feel like a lot of the information that I have is coming from the DVD and the commentary specifically. Sure. And I sort of feel like maybe at that point, they sort of feel like they're still doing like a marketing kind of tour with this. Like, mm. I feel like as commentaries went, went along um, and a lot of creators got more comfortable on it, they were just talking about the art that they enjoyed creating. And sometimes they would be real when it, something wasn't very good. You would get commentaries where the where the creators would just be like, yeah, this is a weaker episode. You're right. This, this is how we messed up on. And I feel like this is so early in the like, commentaries existing that like I almost get the sense Having listened to a lot of them and, and and especially when I'm sort of pulling out quotes for this podcast that seem like it's, it's a lot of words that ultimately mean absolutely nothing. <laughs> it sounds like a press release in some mm. ways. Like, yeah, this show that's f we love all of the humor and character moments that are in it. Like they're all kind of talking very roundabout. And part of that is also because of what I talked about before those commentaries where like they aren't like watching the episode and commenting on it so much as like the episode is playing in the background while they have like a little round table about what right. they do for their jobs generally. And so like some of that stuff is going to come because you they are just talking generally about it rather than nitty gritty. But there are even, there's a, there's a funny little one that I'm going to bring up in a scene later on that almost felt like, like the truth was kind of coming out a little bit. And then they pulled back in a way where it's sort of like, maybe you don't actually like this as much as you are saying you do. And you're saying you do because that's what you do on like when you're trying to market your show right. and, and everything you're trying to try to, you're going to talk on it as many positive terms as possible to like continue to sell your show to audiences and listeners and stuff. Right. So I think that that's a big part of it. I think that there probably are people who maybe aren't happy or don't get it or aren't super into it, but it's just like, yeah, you know, it's great. It's great. It's great. I love it. It's so different. It's just wild. It it feels like people it, it's it feels like people who didn't do the reading trying to talk about the reading, but yeah. they literally wrote it. Like that's what's so weird. You know what I mean? <laughs> 
don't know. Yeah. It's so strange. Maybe yeah. not literally wrote it, but like they're the creators, right? <laughs> like in some capacity. So it's like strange because I'm like, are you and I watching the same thing? But also like if you're a director on a commentary who's like coming in at- – to direct an episode and then the showrunner of the show is also on there or like the producer that gave you your job you're gonna also just be like yeah it's great right no the job that you gave me is awesome (laughs) all all of this to just say i have a hard time understanding what they're talking about when they talk about this show yeah something there is some sort of barrier between them talking about this show and me having any idea what show they were trying to make Yeah, <laughs> most of the time. Sometimes yeah. we get a little glimmer of it um, where I'm like, oh, I see what show you were trying to make. But then then you get another one and it's sort of like, okay, maybe I just know what episode that particular creator right. was trying to make versus this particular episode. And maybe I'll just yeah. never know what show you were trying to make. It is. A, it is. A, this is a show where like any given episode could be just wildly different and sometimes that's good for tv um but in this sense because you never really got a baseline for what this show was ever trying to do and it also sometimes just feels less like they're trying to think outside of the box and more like they just weren't communicating so like well, you, you can't think epi- outside the box if you don't have a box to be outside of. right yeah <laughs> and so you get an episode like this which i think is very fun um but it's i i don't but it doesn't feel like any other episode of this show and i don't know that that's necessary that's not really a good or a bad thing it's just a weird thing like i think in this case it's a very <laughs> neutral thing yeah like, i think it's yeah. a solid episode from beginning to end it just but it does fit into that greater sort of question of like what is this show yeah cuz no 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 episode of this show feels like exemplary of what the show maybe is or isn't like i haven't right. figured that out it's not like the majority of episodes are one thing you know yeah so it's a weird show <laughs> sure is if you want to watch this weird show along with us <laughs> it is available for digital purchase on amazon prime and on dvd The episode we're watching today and talking about is Spider-Man, the new animated series, episode nine on the DVD order or episode 11 as of its airing order entitled Flash Memory. Synopsis per IMDb is Flash Thompson gets tested by Dr. Zellner that will boost his IQ. Okay, Hmm. that's a sentence. However, this is a horrible side effect. Trying to find an antidote, they experiment on Peter, who already has a high IQ. I didn't say any of those words wrong. That wasn't no, me. you that sure did. You just read it read. word for word. Cool. That was something. <laughs> the original air date was August 29th, 2003. It was written by Scott Lipsy and Whip Lipsy. I love the name Whip. Yeah. <laughs> um, this is the only episode that of Spider-Man that they wrote. They also wrote an episode of the original Charm together, and Scott Solo wrote an episode uh, of Charm, an additional episode of Charmed, uh, and he was also the script coordinator of the final season of Charmed and the first season of Dexter. But otherwise, they didn't really have a lot of credits to their names. This episode was directed by Sebastian Broden and Tim Eldred. We are familiar with both of them. Um, like I said, Broden directed, directed the Lizard episode, Law of the Jungle, which we discussed on our episode 134. And Eldred directed Heroes and Villains, which was the first episode of this show that we covered, which was on our episode 132. Our favorite episode. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, this episode actually introduces a bunch of characters. Uh, I don't know if we see... I mean, I could see us seeing one of them again. I don't know if we do. Most to all of them, I'm guessing we won't see again. So, oh no, the Baker twins are majorly, massively important no, characters. No, clearly, no, 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 no just no. 
Just rejecting that. And if that's true, I'm done covering the show. And you'll need a new co-host until we get to something else. Because Uh, you don't love the inspired (laughs) biker twins. Let's start with them. So we get the biker (laughs) twins whose names are apparently Jack and Mac. They're never called that, I don't think. Maybe they call each other by their names early in the episode, but I'm pretty sure they usually just refer to each other as brother. Um, but why would are... you call them anything other than the biker twins? That's the coolest name <laughs> for a pair of people in a superhero show ever. I mean, I can understand other people calling them that, but like they like, why don't they call each other by their names? <laughs> like, <laughs> you know, why doesn't the doctor call them by their names? Whatever. They're both voiced by David DeLuise, who's probably best known to most folks as the dad from Disney Channel's Wizards of Waverly Place. As far as voice work goes, he hasn't done a ton, but he was Coop on Mega's XLR. Oh, wow. Okay. Which is a show I only know about because of Coop, because even though that show didn't last necessarily super duper long, Mm -hmm. um, I still see it has a huge following and I still see basically just fan art of Coop all the time. Yeah. And part of that's just who I follow online, (laughs) but like. I know Coop, and that's the only reason I know Mm -hmm. Mega's XLR. Um, He also voiced a character named Francis Bruto on that Roughnecks Starship Troopers Chronicle show, which we've mentioned, I think, a couple times now. Yeah. He's fine. I mean, he does like like I said, he he doesn't do a ton of voice work. He doesn't get a lot to do in this episode. Yeah, it's not like, yeah. Considering he's voicing two characters, (laughs) he really doesn't get... He's just a gruff man. Yeah, pretty much. Pretty much. (laughs) So... We do get Flash Thompson in this episode. He is voiced by Devin Sawa, who honestly, Wild. I think, I think was kind of just first known as a teen heartthrob, right? Like that's kind of sure. his first thing. And I think it's pretty much because he was the human version of Casper. Like he wasn't really a teen heartthrob and stuff before that. I don't think he was just like a kid. I mean, I guess yeah. he could have been like a kid heartthrob, but I know a number of people who had like a crush on Devin Sawa and it really only could have been at the time because of Casper, which he's in for like five minutes. Yeah, I guess. But he's presented as like the dreamy kid that Christina Ricci, you know, could never have imagined being so hot. It's so huh. funny to me. Yeah, I guess so. Yeah, I mean, it's you're not right. like Everything he isn't else... in other stuff. But... Right, but right, but yeah, but that stuff came late. Like, I, I, I feel right. like I, I, I really knew who we, I'd seen Casper, but like he, he caught my attention with Final Destination, I think. Sure. But I, yeah, that's true. He was, he was like, a heartthrob before yeah. Final Destination. I never even connected those dots. It had to be from Casper. That's so weird. Because I think he was presented as a teen heartthrob before he was like old, not old enough, but like as old as he was in Final Destination. He's like only 17 right. in Casper and probably looks a little bit younger even. Sure, yeah. But like his whole thing was was being like, you know, like softly lit, you know, beautiful boy in Casper. And I feel mm. like he ended up in like teen magazines like as a result of that. Anyway, obviously, he goes on to do a lot more than that. He was in SLC Punk, Final Destination, Slackers, several other early aughts movies. Um, and he portrayed the eponymous Stan in Eminem's music video, uh, which is a true... If, if you don't know, <laughs> mm-hmm. is a truly horrifying pop culture reference that has nearly entirely been lost yeah. um, to the internet because of, quote, Stan culture. Uh, it still is weird to me as somebody who grew up you know, in middle school with Eminem's stuff blowing up that like people call themselves stands. <laughs> it is not, weird. It's not a thing you would have wanted to call yourself. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I, the height I've of en- this song and music video. <laughs> I've embraced it now too, but you know, sure, the origins sure. of it it's are pretty wild. To, right. Language changes, but it's just so funny to know where it comes from. 
I didn't realize he was in that music video or maybe if I knew, I just forgot. I totally <laughs> forgot that that was in there. Yeah. Can I, can I plug something else that he's also in that I, that I think he's really good in the, the show Nikita that was oh, like yeah, yeah, yeah. a remake of La Femme Nikita on CW. It's a, it's really good. Like it, it kind of flew under the radar for a few years, but like got, it was able to get its own like, you know, series finale and stuff like it ended, it was able to end on its terms and everything. But I, I, I went into that show with not great expectations and ended up really loving it a lot. I think it's like better than you would expect it to be. And he, he has like a recurring role that becomes a major role. And it was kind of the first time I'd seen him in anything in a while. Like, like I feel like he was in kind of probably a, a a bit of a slump from his movie career. And then he got on that show and he was like, it, it, I, I was, you know, you can never tell if those like teen actors from like the nineties and two thousands are like actually good actors or mm-hmm. not. And I was like, oh no, this dude is actually very talented because he plays such a wildly different character on that show and he's extremely good at it. And that, that whole show I would highly recommend. It's, it's like way better than you would expect it to be. Yeah. I've, I've heard good things. Yeah. I don't know anything about it, but I've heard good things. It's a spy show, you know, it's, it's yeah. like a fun, like, like spy fi show, like heightened mm-hmm. spy show. Nice. And outside of this, and I think like one other thing uh, that he just provided voices for, he's like not known for voice acting at all. Like, I don't, I don't think he really went on to do any, unless I'm missing something. But that's kind of a thing with this show. You yeah. know, it's not like they were looking for voice actors for a lot of their like character of the week uh, feature, you know, mm. type stuff. Or I guess their main cast. Yeah. You, you almost find the voice actors in like unexpected places, which we've explored plenty already. Yeah. And then the other character that's introduced here is Dr. Zellner, who is voiced by Jeffrey Combs. Good choice. He is known for like horror and sci-fi stuff. He is sort of the creepy horror element of this episode. Um, he was in Reanimator, starred in Reanimator and all of its sequels. Uh, he's in Frighteners, the 1999 House on Haunted Hill. I still know what you did last summer. Star Trek The Next Generation for, I think, a, a while at least. Mm-hmm. Um, Babylon 5, Twilight Zone, tons of other stuff. Lots of, you know, he's he's got a big, big horror and sci-fi resume. Um, he's been in a ton of, I just thought this was funny. He's been in a ton of films based on Lovecraft uh, properties or Lovecraft stories and also played Lovecraft, <laughs> like the actual person Lovecraft, um, in the movie Necronomicon Book of the Dead. So I, I'm assuming he's just a fan. <laughs> Um, and voice wise, he's provided the voice of, he's done a bunch of voice work. Unlike these other two, um, he provided the voice of Scarecrow in the new Batman adventures, the question in justice league unlimited professor Hatecraft in Scooby-Doo mystery incorporated, which mm-hmm. is fun. Um, rat King in the 2012 teenage mutant Ninja turtle series and plenty of other stuff. The Lovecraft thing I think makes sense. Cause like reanimator is what he got popular for. That was like a based on a Lovecraft story. And then I think he just like rode that <laughs> rode that wave ever since. Cause he's always been associated with reanimator. So why not stick with Lovecraft stuff? Sure. I mean, unless you hate, I mean, unless you're trying to specifically get away from it, but this right. guy's clearly not, you know? Right. Yeah. Yeah. He's, he, I, I love him. He's very good. And of course, how could we forget the, uh, the, the random, like one or two lines of the professor from two weeks ago. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That explains it, I guess. I guess they just had him record a couple while he was in the booth for this one. There, but yeah, I mean, there are a couple other folks in this very episode that I didn't necessarily feature who were like that too, where it's like, oh, yeah. that person who is a voice actor we would have otherwise mentioned for being a featured character also said a couple lines in this one. Mm-hmm. Very strange, very strange yeah. credits throughout this series. Funny. <laughs> well, let's get into it, eh? Yeah, let's let's, let's get into this generally perfectly fine episode. <laughs> sure. So it opens with Spider-Man putting a pause on his breakfast. Bagels. Uh, yep, some bagels. 
uh, to stop a couple of thieves on motorcycles after they snag a few bags from an armored truck, which is so funny to me. They break into a whole ass armored truck to steal like three bags. <laughs> um, the two nearly get away after pulling off what we are told is a mathematical feat, basically, of genius uh, to sneak their motorcycles through a number of passing trains. So they like openly do some calculations together to figure out the perfect speed. It's, it's like a math word problem that they do out loud. To, like, get through a bunch of trains that are passing by. But they don't account for the fact that Spider-Man can just swing over the trains. So he just stops them on the other side. Yeah. He's just there when they get there. Yeah. Get a Johnny Knoxville reference. We do get a Johnny Knoxville reference. Very appropriate for the time. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Because they're daredevils. Spider-Man doesn't know yet that they're geniuses. Yeah, yeah. I do like... Like that, the first way they get a one up on Spider Man is just by like tossing a bag that just has like an electric like rod in yeah. it. Yeah, and he just catches it. Like, <laughs> I mean, well, yeah, why wouldn't he? Right? Yeah, I guess so. Yeah. <laughs> so we got some beefy guys who couldn't possibly be as smart as they as they look. Basically, no. is the gag. Big men are dumb. Yeah. The next day, or maybe days after, who knows? Who knows what time is on this show? Harry watches this news story explaining that the biker twins had been released from custody after serving as their own lawyers. So smart. So smart. And leading authorities to believe Spider-Man fabricated their involvement in any crime. Um, And Harry is like, yeah, well, of course, Spider-Man's a murderer and I hate him and he killed my father. So, of course, I hate him and they're all right. Flash Thompson then arrives and is like, no, man. I'm a Spidey uh, fanboy, so, you know, you're very kind of typical Flash Thompson thing coming mm-hmm. to Spider-Man's defense. Then moments later, Peter and MJ arrive, and Peter's like, okay, cool, Flash is defending Spider-Man, I'm also going to defend Spider-Man, and Flash is like, excuse me, you can't agree with me, Peter Parker. Yeah, you can't so, defend Spider-Man no. because I'm defending Spider-Man. <laughs> yeah, and so they get into like a little argument over that, which is like, ha Flash is very stupid and just hates Peter, even though Peter's on his side. So Yeah, it's like really, it's, it's, it's honestly entirely about like, you cannot agree with me on anything. Like he goes so far as to say like, if I am, he specifically said, if I'm rooting for the Packers, you have to root for the Bears, their rivals. Like, yeah, it just, it's so, it's such a weird position for him to take. This isn't, um, you can't agree on things, even if I <laughs> yeah. like them because I hate you. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. This isn't like the flash with depth that like has a friendship history with Peter. He's just a jerk. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, they even go so much as out. to say that, right? They've never uh-huh. been friends. I think they say at some point in this episode. Yeah. Not my favorite uh, iteration of Flash, but he's. No. And I don't. <laughs> and honestly, like, I like Devin Sawa fine. I don't yeah. know that Devin Sawa was, like, the choice for Flash no. Thompson. At least Because he even sounds like a, a sort of, like, pretty boy. You know what I mean? Yeah. Which could least... be Flash Thompson, but this isn't really that Flash Thompson. Not, yeah. Not what they <laughs> want for this Flash Thompson, for sure. Yeah. He's supposed the to be, Flash- like, a meathead yeah he's a meathead quarterback dude like he's always wearing his football jersey the entire episode like it's that's that's what it's a stereotype but that's what they're going for it it was was a weird casting choice i think he could have been good in a flash thompson role they just would have had to go in a very different direction and this wasn't the direction to go for devin sawa it's funny too because this episode leans so heavily on stereotypes about intelligence and like brains and brawn basically that dynamic yeah Uh, that it is it is funny they didn't get somebody who was like way more stereotypically like gonna do a meathead voice you know yeah yeah (laughs) (laughs) well after after a brief argument over smarts 
uh, Flash leaves the group to visit his tutor, but ends up in a mysterious lab where a menacing looking guy in a lab coat injects him with some sort of green stuff, uh, seemingly meant to give him better grades. This is interesting because, well, one, I do want to call out a funny line because Flash says, I have a tutor. Do you have a tutor, Peter? So clearly you're not as smart as me, which I think is very funny because it's like kind of cute. It's like the cute kind of stupid that, that Flash Thompson can be. Yeah. Um, but uh, I just thought that was very funny. But it's but basically Flash Thompson ends up in this situation because he's trying to get better grades. So he like seeks out a tutor and ends up meeting this like this sort of like menacing scientist guy who's like, I never said I would tutor you or, you know, make you or like teach you things. I just said you would get better grades as a result of whatever we do here, which is, could be injecting you with strange materials. Sure. <laughs> it's just like, it's, it's so goofy. <laughs> it's very goofy. That's what I mean when it's like, what I say, this is like the most like childish episode. And I don't even, I don't even mean that like negatively, really. It's just more like, it's the most cartoonish. It's the most cartoonish. You just can't think like you just really are asked to not think through how silly some of these things are. <laughs> like it's yeah. all very surface and it's just like he met a mad scientist and he's just like, okay, I guess. And now he's getting injected with green fluid that makes him super smart. Like, yeah. Any of the <laughs> characters who are introduced in this episode are caricatures. Like yeah. they are, They it, like I said, it leans very heavily on stereotypes. Flash is a dumb jock. The yeah. the biker twins are like big idiot beefcakes. The, the, the scientist is like, exactly the sort of mad scientist stereotype you would expect. And so as a result, all of their interactions are as surface as those stereotypes are. And they never ask you to really question them. (laughs) Nothing is subverted at all. There's like no depth to anybody here. It's just like, this is the story that you think that it is. And we're doing it. Yeah. Yeah. And I I I I don't, I'm not mad about it. I don't mind it. It's just, it, it, it's, it's a, it's a surprise for this show. Like if this were, if this were on so many other shows we were watching, never would have questioned it necessarily. Well, this show has tried so hard to be like, we're operating in the moral gray area and things are ambiguous. And this one's just like, nothing is ambiguous. It's exactly what it looks like. (laughs) Like even what you get with this episode. Right. Like even the way that they showcase people, their, your, your brains working with the serum and you getting quote unquote, super smart is just suddenly just flash uses big words like proteins and coagulates. And it's like, it's that, that, that also is such like a, it's, it's a fun, like cartoony, like trope where it's like, it's like they just suddenly absorb knowledge from the world. It's like your intelligence, it's always so, it's like your intelligence go up. That doesn't mean you suddenly know every fact in the world. You still had to learn these words and what they mean. (laughs) Like, right, (laughs) right. It it, it gets, it's so funny to me because it's like, if you wanted to sit there and like download information into their brain, sure. Okay. I get it. But yeah, the reason we were talking about Shakespeare at the top is because throughout this episode, Flash will quote Shakespeare, which he just suddenly knows now. Like it's it's not right. that he has the brain capacity, uh, or or the new the sort of new uh, cognitive um, skills to like memorize better or anything. <laughs> like it's just he yeah. just knows things now. It's so funny. It's <laughs> he so just silly. knows words. <laughs> it's so silly. It's so silly. <laughs> but what's funny about it is it it still tells us exactly what it needs to like it's still doing exactly what it's setting out to do which is he dumb before but he's very smart now you know what i mean (laughs) yep 
It's like, all right, okay, we know exactly what happened. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> I will say, too, according to the Amazing Spider Facts on the Ooh. DVD, I have one good one, and then I'm going to have one terrible one that I'll give you later on. Great. Um, the, the the liquid being green wasn't a very intentional homage to Reanimator, because Reanimator famously that movie he injects the corpses with a green liquid liquid that reanimates them. gotcha so there's okay. your fun jeffrey combs reference it's uh yeah that's a tough one for this particular show because green serums are also a very specific reference within this very property uh-huh. uh yep. so but that's I cool I, I like when they make choices like that yeah why not go for it might be a little you know might be crossing the streams a little bit in this territory but that's fine it's fine so the next day, maybe sometime later, uh, this sub- yeah, the, how, the, the time period, the time range of this episode is very unclear. It could potentially take place over a long period of time, and we don't know. <laughs> it feels like it should take more time than it maybe does. Sometimes the show is really good about like it was night in the last scene, and it is daylight in this scene, and then it is night again. So you kind of track it. This episode in particular, like, I I just, I could not. I had no idea when anything was happening. Nah. Yeah, well, either way, sometime later, Spider-Man's making his way toward campus, and he receives a very sexy phone call from Indy. Um, by the way, his ringtone is like that old school Nokia tone, just like in reverse, which I think is kind <laughs> of funny. But but yeah, he gets a sexy call from Indy, but really, she's actually just calling to say she has the skinny on the biker twins. <laughs> She's got a hot and juicy story. It's really good. I, I think that's I, all that I thought I found very funny because uh, there's like the guy because um, you see Indy's side of it, too, while she's calling Peter on the phone. Mm-hmm. And there's like another like coworker who's like behind her who overhears the conversation, but only hears her side and like doesn't get like what she's talking about. And so he's like actually like kind of getting <laughs> he's like kind of into it. And then like after she hangs up and she's like, it was a work call. <laughs> <laughs> I like this because it's the two of them. Yeah. Like if this show did this with like almost any other characters, I'd be like, Oh my God, this show is being horny again. But these two characters are kind of believably like silly together. And yeah. so it, it ends up being yeah. like very fun and like, uh, I mean, it's just fun and flirty, honestly. Like they could just be joking with each other, you know? <laughs> and this is the thing that just honestly just kind of muddies the Peter conversation further because we've had to deal with so many episodes of him seeming to be utterly oblivious with dealing with women and flirtation at all. But in this case, like I feel like he's, he knows when he's being flirted with. Oh, he absolutely does. I mean, they make such a big, like cartoonish Looney Tunes point of, of showing that he is like getting flustered. Like, Ooh, girl hitting on me. He like shoots his web and then misses it, which is actually a really fun animation moment. He like slams into a building wrong. Like, I like when he like slides (laughs) down off the, like almost loses his grip on the building while he's talking to her. I thought that was, I thought that was great. I love that. It's all really, really fun. Like super duper fun animation stuff that again, I wouldn't even necessarily expect from this episode, not because it's good, but because it is so like, uh, it's like physical comedy. It's stuff that this show has not excelled at. Um, yeah. But yeah. but these moments really land. Yeah. Indy really brings out like the best in this yes. show. Like, I, I, she, I really like her a lot. She's I like the best. <laughs> it's funny because like if we if I were to rework this show, I would honestly like honestly I'd, like get rid of almost in, I'd get rid of Mary Jane or put her entirely somewhere else or have her be like entirely in her own sphere. Yeah. And then I'd, I'd very much downplay like what like Harry's involvement to like very certain things mm-hmm. and like a lot of the stuff I would turn up is the stuff that is is additional stuff you know it's like not even the stuff that you would expect from 
from like a standard Spider-Man main cast or stuff that was like carried over from the movies. Yeah. Yep. Actually, you know, that was the other thing I was going to say about this episode, too. I do find this episode weird that Flash just kind of shows up and it is an important character when they very easily could have had him be a background character, a supporting player for a while. And then I feel like this episode might have played a little bit better if we like knew who Flash was beforehand mm-hmm. and then uh, theoretically oh, I think so. would have gotten deepened. It's weird for him to pop up and you just kind of have to just assume you know who he is, which, you know, I, I guess if you they're assuming you've seen the Raimi movie and he's in that and doesn't really get any depth in that movie either. And so if you consider that they're just kind of carrying that his character interpretation from that movie into this, I think that all works. But it's like weird that like for a show that really has a very sparse tertiary cast like that would have been a really easy character to just throw in for yeah. a couple of scenes every so often that's tough though like if if because like sort of relying on any sort of through line between the raimi movie that uh-huh. you would have appeared in and this that's like i've said the past few episodes i think to some degree that like I understand this show best when I forget other iterations of these characters. You have to. Yeah. (laughs) When I try to, to. when I try to forget what a Peter Parker should be, when I try to forget what an MJ should be, it, things become a little bit clearer, you know? So dropping him in like this and sort of maybe hoping people know who a flash Thompson is, is like, "Mm." yeah, I'm not. Yeah. I think, I think it uh, hurts this episode ultimately. Like it's, it's fine because we know who he is, but like, I think it does kind of hurt the episode that we're not, that this is our introduction to flash Thompson in this show. Yeah. For this episode. He's, he's, I guess if you just watch this episode, if if you've never watched any Spider-Man stuff before, he's just like some dumb jock extra, I guess. That's true. They are. Yeah, that's they really aren't using him for anything beyond that, I guess. Yeah. So I guess he's as complicated you know. as Doug was, I suppose. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, he's like marginally more likable than Doug, I guess. Or less, <laughs> I Doug think he's was a like, lot more likable than Doug. <laughs> yeah, Doug was like a fully irredeemable monster. So <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, Flash is at least, like, uh, endearingly stupid. Yeah, and, like, you know, he comes through in the end. Like, he's not a monster, so... right. Yeah, yeah. But, yeah, yeah, so either way, uh, uh, Peter and Indy agree to meet after Peter's last class about this uh, info on the Biker Twins. So, back at ESU, Mary Jane and another girl named Sally Johnson, who is supposed to be the the blonde girl from the last episode... Mm -hmm. That is actually, I want to call out like some nice continuity that they're starting to have yeah. on this like back end of of the season here. Um, cause it, it cause I, I'll say too that this isn't the last time we're going to see her either. So yeah. like I kind of appreciate that. Like it took a while, but you are starting to see that sort of these tertiary characters that are kind of popping up repeatedly, which I think bodes well for maybe what they wanted to eventually do more with this show. Just wish they'd done it earlier. Yeah. This show needed that from the jump. Yeah, yeah, because it definitely kind of helps flesh out the world, you know, mm-hmm. um, seeing characters that you recognize, even if they're not important characters. One of the very least, if you're not going to do like, you know, deep character explorations, you can at least teach us who these characters are by having a wider berth of characters for them to interact with. You know what yeah, I mean? For sure. For sure. But, uh, but yeah, Mary Jane and Sally are approached by Flash, who regales them with a fancy pickup line. Mary Jane essentially rolls her eyes at Flash and uh, mistakes his injection wound for a hickey, which is kind of funny. Mm-hmm. But Sally's like, oh, I'm interested. <laughs> Tell me more. <laughs> Tell me more. 
So she asks Flash about an essay she has to write for literature class, and Flash impresses with a long-winded answer before walking away with the both of them, a hand around each woman's waist. So yeah. he's won them over with his random facts. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Yep. She had to write about some, like, uh, fake nation that I guess multiple authors have written about. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. I wasn't paying attention to what they were nope. saying. <laughs> nope, me neither. I there was there was one thing that I did feel like okay, Doug, you have to look up what this is. You can't just completely ignore what they're talking about here. But this was not the thing. <laughs> gotcha. Yeah, I to- I totally forgot what they were even talking about. Honestly, so I, I moving just, on. <laughs> I just remember being like, "What is he even talking about?" And the only reason I remember it is because I. I was mildly intrigued by the fact that there was some sort of fictional location that multiple authors had apparently written about, just because that's a fun idea, I guess. Mm -hmm. But anyway, uh, Peter returns to campus and meets up with Harry, and Harry also mistakes the wound for a hickey, which I kind of understand. I don't know what else they would think it is. Sure. Um, And pokes fun. This is is kind of funny. Pokes fun that Flash must be dating a, quote, human blowfish, (laughs) or, you know, that (laughs) vacuum that picks up bowling balls. (laughs) Before it is revealed, he's actually hanging out with Mary Jane. And so Harry is like, oh, uh, <laughs> um, but uh, I wasn't talking about her, of course. <laughs> it's like, I hate that it's at Mary Jane's expense, but it is a very funny, funny bit of dialogue. And the way that they it set it funny. up and do the reveal is, is you know. Yeah, it's funnier than this show has been. Sure, uh, frequently. And so. this is the kind of stuff that you can't do, talk joke about on a Saturday morning cartoon. Yeah. This is a very teen level of mm-hmm. comedy that I think the show can yeah. do. So, yeah, I, I, I think yeah. it's funny. It's it, I like it. I like it. I like it. Yeah. Well, of course, he's worried he's upset Peter because Peter, he knows that Peter likes MJ. Famously I likes guess. MJ, I guess. Very consistently likes MJ and yeah. knows that he does and knows exactly how to describe it. Um, anyway, uh, tries to recover. And Peter's like, oh, hey, you know what? Don't even worry about it. Totally unbothered by the situation. Don't even care that Flash is dating MJ uh, because I am hanging out with Indy and it's great. And he says, connecting with Indy through mutual interest makes a lot more sense than simple chemistry, which I think is funny because I don't think he and MJ have any chemistry at all. I think the chemistry is just boner talk. <laughs> but but I, it is at the same time also, the, yeah, the chemistry thing, no, you don't have chemistry, but it's still like the most perceptive he has ever been yes. on this show. Yes, and it is I like, like that yeah. they call it out so directly. And I, yeah. it, it fits what you and I were talking about, right? Which is like he and Indy have an actual natural connection because they are interested in the same things. They overlap in the same ways. They get excited about stuff together. Like, yeah. <laughs> he and Mary Jane have just known each other a long time and she's pretty. Like, yeah. It still doesn't clarify like, you know, all the times that like one seemed to be oblivious about it and, and the times that they've talked and didn't act on it or whatever. It doesn't clarify any of that, but I'm glad that it seems like we're kind of past all of that stuff. And well, it is just like, it is just Peter thinks that he would rather be with one person than the other person. And that's really all that's, that's it. That's it, where it is. It clarifies his understanding of what's going on with Indy, which ends up becoming furthered in this episode. And I do think that if you were to track his relationship with Indy, I don't really think there's a lot of up and downs. I think it has been a steady build to like, he was, he, maybe he was confused to, Oh, I understand to having this conversation with Harry and being able to identify his own chemistry with Indy. And then I think it goes somewhere really incredible that I, I, 
I actually really like about the two of them together. Yeah. Um, and makes me ship them even harder. <laughs> <laughs> right. They're um, so good. And so that's actually been really, really good. So it's like, it's, it's frustrating to know that they can do that when they've been so poorly doing it with him and, and MJ. Uh, it's, we're just never going to get an answer necessarily on whether Peter Parker understands his relationship with MJ. And I don't know how much of that was just their hands being tied by the fact that these characters are going to appear again in a movie, but the movie wasn't exactly unclear about things so yeah it's just i think it's just never gonna be clear it's never gonna make sense and i hope that i'm right because if it starts to make sense that actually makes less sense than where we're going so who knows yeah yeah line i hate in this after peter talks about that then harry responds well i know about biology and the look in indy's eyes says a monogamy followed by a shudder yeah. It's just full on just like ball and chain kind of bullshit yeah. talk is all it is. Which to be fair, if it's I Harry. accept it from Harry because that is kind of who he's been defined as. So yeah. and Peter obviously is just like, shut up. So whatever. Yeah, Peter doesn't take it super <laughs> seriously in the moment. It does clearly affect him a little bit to the point where like you know, it's not like he didn't hear Harry, but I think it even Peter's reaction to it and how it manifests mildly later is still in line with how this Peter, I think processes the things that Harry says. I think this, this Peter, I think does take seriously the things that Harry says when he hears them. And I think even though he is willing to roll his eyes at Harry and make fun of Harry and you know, Mm -hmm. all that sort of stuff, I think he does to some degree look up to Harry or at least admire Harry. Um, So I think the fact that he hears this at all makes sense as well. Yeah. Yeah. I so, yeah, I ha- I mean I hate it as well. Like Harry's being gross, but also it, mm-hmm. it all makes sense. It's not bad writing. Yeah, no, for sure. For sure. So this, okay. Th- I love this. I sure. actually really love this scene so so much. So we go to Empire 1 and Indy starts dishing on the biker twins, right? She says apparently prior to their recent arrest, they were known by at least one police officer as the dumbest clods he'd ever taken into custody. One of them literally shot off their own toe. By like playing with their gun or using their gun wrong or something like that. So it's weird that they're suddenly smart. While she's going off on this sort of like info dump for Peter, um, Peter is trying to have a totally different conversation about like what their relationship is. And I think this is where like what Harry said sort of a little bit comes out of Peter, but it all goes in a place that I really like. So he's like, so we're just like casual, right? And he keeps sort of being like, cause it, you know, like it uh, casual seems like, right. And like, but it's like, it's casual, right? So she's talking about <laughs> this story. He's trying to figure out like if their relationship is too serious for him or not. Um, or if it's like the right kind of serious or whatever. Yeah. This is what I love. They're on two different pages. Peter's sort of like having a weird freak out moment about their relationship. Indy is getting excited about something that they agreed to talk about. Indy responds very directly to Peter and says, look, I'm available to you outside of hours. Basically says, I like you. And here's where we can pursue that. But right now I'm trying to work on this story. I've asked you to be a part of it. Are you in or are you out? Yeah. Beautiful. I love this it. is exactly what this Peter Parker needs. And Just he responds to communicate perfect. with him. Tell yes, him straight up what is happening. Directly. And I think yeah. there are many readings that you can take for both of these characters that make perfect sense. Real world sort of uh, people you would meet. And I think it makes them a perfect couple. 
she is able to get through to him in a very direct way that works for him in a way that Mary Jane has never been able to do in this show, right? Mary yeah. Jane is constantly dropping hints and hoping that Peter will pick up on things and understand her signals and pull out of these experiences or these exercises the same thing she's getting from them. But Peter's an idiot. Or he's not an idiot, but like he just isn't He's not picking up what she's putting yeah. down. And yeah. Indy clearly gets that. Indy clearly understands that Peter doesn't get hints. Or she just is that direct all the time anyway. In either mm-hmm. case, it works perfectly that she's very direct and he doesn't get hints. So when she's very direct and says, Peter, focus. This yeah. is where I'm at right now. Put that on the table. He says, okay, great. And picks up exactly what she's talking about yeah. and says, okay, so what we're trying to figure out is how these two idiots got so smart all of a sudden. She's like, exactly. It's beautiful. It is yeah. the most shippable couple we've talked about in a very long time. Like I they agree. are so perfectly aligned and fit together so perfectly. It's so great. <laughs> yeah. She really does compliment him. I think that there's a, there's a reading you could have that like. Peter is like not neurodivergent uh, in, in totally. some way, you know? So it's like, he doesn't really, I mean, he, he very frequently doesn't pick up on social cues in this show yeah. Um, or, or just like, you know, just doesn't like kind of process things very easily. So he just and, needs someone to see him correctly. Right. And Indy clearly does and doesn't have any like weird resentment or hangups yeah. about it. It's just, or, or, you know, she doesn't, she doesn't feel like it's a slight against her when he's like not understanding or ignoring her or something. She's just like, Oh, okay. Can I explain this to you? I'm explaining it to you. Do you get it now? And he's like, yeah, I do. And then yeah. there you go. It's, it's like, so it's great. Nice. It's so healthy. <laughs> Everything that happens in these moments is so wonderful. She doesn't shut his conversation down. She basically says, can we put that, can we put that away for the moment? Like, I want to assure you that I, 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 I like you, but here's where we're like, here's what we're doing right now. Like, yeah. and she asks him like, are you in for what we're doing right now? Or are you out? And I'm sure that if he was out, she would have just been like, okay, well I'm going to go do my thing now. Like it just, it's everything good. about them is so healthy. Yeah. <laughs> it's so nice. And <laughs> God, I, I, yeah, there's a lot in the scene that I like a couple of questions, all their talk, like, about being casual and stuff. The implication is that they've already been sleeping together. Right. Or at least like had like makeout sessions and stuff. Like that's what they're implying. Right. Um, like, I or think is it's this purely in the flirting super duper stage? clear. I, I don't think it's super duper clear. Cause I don't know that they've ever gotten to a point where they're, it's it's hard because they haven't defined any sort of relationship between right. the two of them. Like the two of them haven't, but the show hasn't necessarily either. We mm-hmm. just know that the two of them are clearly into each other. We know that Indy has explicitly stated that she likes Peter and that Peter gets excited about being with Indy yeah. and clearly has a reaction to her hitting on him. Um, but I don't know. I, I think you could read it that way or you could not. And I don't think it necessarily hurts the situation. It's, yeah, it's fine either way. I just think like the choice of, of of calling something like just casual, like you don't usually call a thing just casual unless you've actually been doing stuff that's beyond just flirting with each other. You know what I mean? Yeah, I, I totally know what you mean. I took this as a direct response to what Harry was talking about as far as like monogamy sure, and Peter sure. being like, oh shit, is it bad that I like would be tied to this one person? Is that too serious? So that's kind of mm-hmm. how that I read sense. it. But I think it, I think it totally works with what you're saying, probably even more way. so. Yeah, it works either way. The other thing that I just thought of, do you remember that really god awful exchange in the first episode where like Peter's talking like seriously about like crime and stuff and like things aren't always black and white and oh, then God, Mary Jane yeah. is like 
like you mean black and white is in your feelings for another person. I feel like this scene is doing like what that scene like wishes that it could have done oh my God. where it's like two people talking about completely different things. Mm-hmm. And one is talking about like serious, like work shit. And the other is talking about like relationships and they sort yeah. of cross over. And then they realize they like meet in the middle and realize that like, no, we are talking about different things. We got to talk about it. Mm-hmm. Like this is doing that scene. Like, right and like fully correctly (laughs) yeah absolutely absolutely this is all really well done yeah it's it's and it's there's like a yeah it's it's i don't know it's just it's very very nice it comes together very perfectly yeah i think you're right it's what that it's what that scene wanted to be and and Mm -hmm. failed so miserably at Uh hilariously badly (laughs) (laughs) i'm so glad we've gotten to a point where like there are things being done genuinely well because it was rough for a first few episodes Uh i was like i don't know man (laughs) yeah Uh uh-huh hello amazing friends we just wanted to take a quick moment to thank our spectacular enough patrons Bo, eric carl katie mike and lillian If you would like to support our show, too, our way of saying thanks is by giving you lots of cool Spidey goodies. You'll have early access to all our episodes, including our AMAs, where we answer your burning questions about anything and everything. And we mean everything. If you join us at our $5 spectacular level, you get to hear us let loose and talk about wackier stuff in our After Dark commentaries or our movie commentaries, where we watch every single Spidey-related theatrical film from the Raimi films to Amazing Spider-Man to Spider-Verse, Venom, Avengers Endgame, and more. And at our amazing tier, we'll invite you to be a guest on our show. That's right, you. You all make our show better, whether it's by sending us Word Snappers words, making us fan art, joining our Discord community, or just listening to us every week. This is our way of saying thank you for supporting this show and inspiring us to dip into media even we didn't realize was on our radar. Whatever tier you opt into, thank you so much. Whether you're an avid listener or just stopping by, we appreciate you. From your friendly neighborhood podcasters, thank you. So back at the Mysterious Lab, the Biker Twins receive another injection, which we learn is to ensure that they stay smart. So this is not something that sticks after one treatment. Uh, unfortunately, what seems to also be happening is that the serum is making them physically weaker, which there's stuff to unpack here for sure. It makes sense within the story for there to be some sort of downside to this experimental treatment that they're receiving. But because the only people who receive this treatment are like physically strong, big brutish dudes, Uh, The show really does set up this idea that, like, you are either big and strong or small and smart. (laughs) (laughs) And we know that isn't entirely true because our hero is Peter Parker, right? But it is just funny that, like, when they got to this point, I was like, of course they're getting physically weaker. As they get smarter, they get weaker. (laughs) This is so funny to me. This, like, again, cartoonish sort of, like, tit for tat situation it's like of course you can't be strong and smart no (laughs) you also couldn't possibly be weak and dumb like (laughs) it's just like so funny to me anyway naturally they demand that the scientists figure it out because you want the best of both worlds um and they were they were big and strong before they were smart uh and he says you know what the key could be flash thompson he's a new new guy i'm experimenting on um, so we'll see, maybe, maybe his situation will give us some insight onto yours and we'll figure it out. But for now, I need you guys to keep committing crimes because I need money. I need you to keep stealing money for me. Yeah. Yeah. 
<laughs> the way that they're stealing money in the next scene their is so crimes funny to are me. so stupid <laughs> they're vacuuming <laughs> coins from the coin exchange they literally have a vacuum yeah. it's not like a super cool no. high tech vacuum it is a regular ass vacuum uh-huh. and they're just vacuuming a like a like a display that has like guess like very precious coins and they're vacuuming know. the coins mm-hmm. you That's know what i do plan. genuinely like about it though I do love because it's so, you know, we saw our black cat Talon do the like the glass cutting thing. I love that these guys do the like, here's an, a, like an adhesive sheet and then break it so it doesn't like shatter and then they just pull it away. That was actually pretty cool. Sure. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, you're yeah. right. It is just a vacuum cleaner. It's the vacuum. <laughs> vacuuming up coins. You're going to break that vacuum cleaner. <laughs> Yep. Yes, they got some coins. When Spidey arrives, they're able to escape using a smoke screen, Teflon spray, spraying it all over their bikes. Does Teflon like spray in a can exist? Isn't that I, like I don't know. I don't think it could because if you like inhale it, that would poison you. So like I, I don't think. That's I mean, real. if we couldn't put things that poison us in aerosol cans, we wouldn't well, have a lot true. of shit we have now. <laughs> that's a good point. Actually. But I have no idea. I I, I have no clue. Well, either way, they use Teflon spray, so when Spidey's, you know, shoots his webs at him, they just slip right off. Mm-hmm. Spidey gets a lot of, like, bad webbing moves, like webbing yeah. mistakes or webbing that's not working in this episode. This um this episode really made me think more about his webbing than I typically do in this show, because I, f- I frequently forget that his webbing in this show is biological. Yeah, I always forget that, too. Because I mean, I'm not used to thinking about that with that. cartoons. Yeah. Yeah, this episode definitely reminds you of that. <laughs> mm-hmm. I mean, we're not even necessarily there yet, but it just reminded me, like, when you were talking about how much web trouble he has. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They also have a taser that, like, sticks stuff, I guess. They're, all their gadgets are so funny because they're just, like, normal things, like appliances. Yeah, they're just, they're just normal guys. They're just normal, <laughs> just guys, normal guys committing normal crimes, and they're <laughs> smarter now. Yeah, that's the biker twins for you. That's their mm-hmm. MO, being normal guys doing Those normal crimes. Classic villains, the biker twins. <laughs> As they ride off, um, Spidey notices the wounds on their necks. In fact, his spider sense goes off to tell him to force him to remember that those wounds are similar to Flash's. Yeah. I find that so funny. He needed his spider <sighs> sense to remember something. <laughs> you know, we're at we're at the point now where we've seen so many different iterations of spider sense. I can never criticize spider sense for being like better or worse than the last application of spider sense. Yeah. But it is very funny that it's just to remember something in this one. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's like, oh, okay. <laughs> that's what this one yep. does <laughs> yep. uh, yeah, yeah. well speaking of flash the next day uh he delivers a monologue from shakespeare's 12th night uh which is which he does in english and then partially in french which he just effortlessly slips into without even realizing he's doing it can i um, can i tell you something that made me furious sure the um, amazing spider facts this was the bad one they say okay. that his monologue is from shakespeare's love's labor lost which it's not like this. The, he's doing the music be the food of love thing, which is like famously from Twelfth Night. Well, so this is the thing I had to look up because I didn't know. I was like, I should know what this is, and I don't know what this is. So I, know, I can't just was, not say it. Derek's gonna get on me. Well, not, this, not that you would, but like, I was this like, was also I have like to at the, least look it the up. The first play, the first Shakespeare play I was ever in, and I played this character. So these were like the first Shakespeare lines <laughs> I ever uttered in the theater. So like to see them get it wrong, like just maybe. Well, 
really okay. angry. What's funny to me, and I have no idea who was doing those amazing spider facts, but like, what's funny to me is like you included this dialogue, right? Like, <laughs> well, I'm sure that like were, the person but that's doing a, the spider facts like wasn't working on the show. They're working. It for doesn't the matter. You're the what? Like, you are associated with the show that put these on screen. It's like, true. you got to get it right. <laughs> you can also. It was 2003. You could search things on the internet. Ask Jeeves. <laughs> right. You could have done that and found that it was from. And again, it's not get like on it was Alta like Vista some and find it. <laughs> it's not like it was some random you know passage like buried in some more no. like a slightly more obscure one. It's I like found it immediately. The most, it's like the most well known lines from that play and you got yeah. it wrong i was worried it would be obscure because he does <sighs> slip into french i was like oh no is this actually a french thing because i don't know that much shakespeare mm-hmm. but no i found it immediately <laughs> immediately <It's so> stupid. <laughs> like how did they makes how did they so get mad. that wrong it makes on. me so mad it's so on, silly you guys so silly <sighs> whatever Anyway, he's delivering this monologue and throwing Mary Jane like like a dozen feet into the air and catching her while he's <laughs> yeah. doing it. Okay. Yep. So that's a thing that's happening. And a bunch of people are watching because it is a spectacle. Mm-hmm. Among those people are Peter and Harry, who are now very suspicious. I mean, Peter obviously is very suspicious, but even Harry is suspicious. I think he says, okay, maybe it's not a hickey. It's like a whole second brain or a whole <laughs> new brain. Because uh, Flash is like just not Flash anymore. He's like completely unrecognizable. Yeah. Um, he even sounds different. I mean, Devin Sawa doesn't do a whole lot to distinguish the two because he's mostly mm-hmm. smart Flash. Um, but he does distinguish the two. And he doesn't sound anything like he does at the very beginning of this episode or the very end of it. What we probably could have expected based on the last scene, or not the last scene, but the last lab scene, is that Flash is going to struggle with uh, with the balance of um, intellect and... Uh, muscles as well so he ends up stumbling and dropping mary jane and grabbing his head and rushing off because something's wrong uh peter kind of stops him and is like hey are you okay like what's wrong with your neck and he blows them off and just continues to run just want to call out uh love lisa Loeb. she's great but her kind of gone with the wind style southern accent that she gives to flash not great. Not not good. Pretty <laughs> well, bad. <laughs> I think that's where that's where like uh you know hiring people who aren't voice actors is most most obviously going to show through, right? Is like yeah, you might bad. be really good at doing this one character because it's like a natural fit for you maybe, but <laughs> <laughs> Oh boy. Yeah, so in a nearby alley Spider-Man confronts Flash about how he got so good with Shakespeare, and through increasing pain, Flash tells him the name of the menacing scientist, Dr. Zellner, not from the English department, teaching him Shakespeare, but actually from science. I like this a lot. I like that Peter realizes that Flash will probably talk to Mm Spider-Man. I like that Flash is probably a little bit more forthcoming, both because it's Spider-Man and because he's in pain. It all works out really well. Yeah, I mean, I like the classic flashes of Spider-Man fanboy aspect of this. Yeah. I think that really works in this episode's favor and, and makes him a lot more likable because he doesn't really get a lot of redeeming stuff, yeah. you know, through most of the episodes. So that that's a nice, like, plus for him. Yeah, it's a better application of that than than is always the case. I mean, Flash is always True. a Spider-Man fan, and sometimes they do really, really cool stuff with that. Like, notably, but sometimes they just don't, you know, and he's yeah. just like a fan. 90s Flash, I, I from the 90s show, I don't think they really do anything oh, fun yeah. with it ever, you know? <laughs> yeah, for sure. It works. Yep. Well, Flash returns to Dr. Zellner, understandably, who breaks it to him that a standard metabolism cannot sustain the increased activity from his boosted brain. 
uh, which is why he and the twins keep getting weaker. So didn't anticipate that uh, all this brain power would require uh, energy and stuff like that, the way that muscles and stuff would, which I, mm-hmm. I guess I could understand you or I mistaking, but Dr. Zellner should probably get that. I don't know. I feel like <laughs> I would have had that question pretty early on in the process, and I'm not a scientist, so like, I don't know. it's I funny like, that he didn't think about that. I feel like we were just talking about this on a recent AMA where we were like, I don't know, like, would telepathy, like, be strenuous or not sure but when you're actually like researching it that's like a that's like a thing part of i feel like part of the process of like making the thing is sort of just questioning so like oh yeah no zellner extra totally should have so where's known. the where's the energy going to come from like yeah, yeah. you know zellner yeah. absolutely should have known i think it's the only reason weird. i think it's neat is that like it's explicitly something that is focused on like mental capacity and improving something associated with the brain sure and i feel like people don't typically associate stuff associated with like or stuff attributed to intellect or the brain as being, you know, something that requires energy or metabolism or something that would be physically strenuous to you. That's a good, that's a really good point. So that's the only reason I think it's neat is like, Oh, okay. Like it it kind of backfires. Zellner shouldn't have had that, that sort of misconception, but I like that they play with that idea because most people wouldn't expect it. You know, psychic people just be psychic. Smart people just be smart. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So anyway, just as Flash is sort of suggesting to Zellner that he should change his experimentation process, maybe experiment on somebody smarter so that the, 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 the um, what's the word I'm looking for? The, uh, the gap is not the word I'm looking for, but the gap between intellect <laughs> is not so big. Uh-huh. You know, Zellner's only been experimenting on people who are like very obviously not smart. Right. Um, he should maybe find someone smarter as he's suggesting this, the twins return and threaten Zellner to solve their problem quicker than he is. And so flash is like, okay, okay, okay. I have an idea. If you're looking for somebody smart that you can experiment on, I know exactly the guy. And we know that he's talking about Peter Parker. Yep. 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 At the Daily Bugle, uh, while JJ is berating Peter for a new batch of po- photos, Peter receives the discrepancy. a discrepancy. That's the word I was trying to think. of. Discrepancy. Sorry. Okay. It's, no, I couldn't even. I was trying. I was trying to think what you were thinking, and I couldn't figure it out either. So, no discrepancy makes sense. I mean, gap worked too. I yeah, it did. Meant. It did. But yeah, Peter's at the Bugle. JJ's deriding him like usual. Uh, Peter receives a phone call from Flash, begging for help, and uh, gives him Zellner's address. So. Not a good look for Flash, and he's dragging this, you know, random college student that yeah. he doesn't like into this. Not great. I don't like it. it. Sucks, but you know, he's desperate and dying. I, I guess I can yeah. sort of see it. And in I think same circumstance. Yeah, I think Zellner, if didn't, if he didn't just hint at it, might have explicitly said, or if he didn't explicitly say, at least hinted at, like, yeah, this could completely destroy you. Actually, like you could yeah. completely shut down. So yeah. This was the thing that I want to reference from the commentary that I think is kind of funny and and I could be reading too much into it. Could very well be reading too much into it. But you know how we're like, we don't really like this J. Jonah Jameson in this show. He's yeah. just not very funny. And I don't think he's very funny in the scene either. Nope. And he has a joke at the end where, you know, Peter's after Peter is uh, is like leaving his office. Um, he's, he's like, wait, no, I'm not done throwing you out. Like around that time on the commentary, mm-hmm. um, the showrunner, Audu Patton, just said, I'm laughing on the inside. And then there's silence so, for a couple seconds. And then there's silence for a couple seconds. And then he's like, well, you know, I've just seen it so many times. So I just know what happens. Uh, so you think he's saying like, this isn't funny. 
I think that that was a little bit of his honesty coming out and just being like, this wasn't funny, but then realizing like, oh, wait, people who worked on the show are listening. Um, I've just seen it a lot. So I, you know, that's, that's why, <laughs> that's why I said that. I mean, it has to be that when people, yeah. that's a thing people, I feel like that's a classic like kid thing. Like, oh, I'm laughing hysterically on the insides. Yeah. Because yeah. you know? it's like a beat after that. And then it does feel like he's just sort of like trying to save face a little bit. <laughs> it's like, oh, you know, no, it's just, it's, I've seen it a bunch, obviously. Yeah. And it's mm-hmm. like, oh no, you agree with us. This isn't very funny. Yeah. <laughs> so what's weird though is like MTV presumably probably, if, if, if it's very black and white and it might not have been, MTV presumably would have preferred Jameson not be there because he's like 50 to 60 year old man, right? Of course. But he's like, not a villain, so you know, right. you're not going to kill him at the end of the episode, right. so why would he be there? Exactly. So you would think that J. Jonah Jameson was one of the things that the creators were like, no, this is non-negotiable. Like, he has to be in here. Like, he is, he's is. he been here since the be- like the inception of Spider-Man. You can't just not have him there. So, like, you would think that's why there's a J. Jonah Jameson. So it's so funny to me that, <laughs> that somebody as big as Adu Patton would be like, mm-hmm, he's so funny, right? Right. <laughs> it's like, presumably y'all fought for him. I don't know. Yeah, I'm making not- big assumptions, but yeah, yeah, I don't know. It's very. I mean, it could be a thing where maybe Marvel wanted them wanted him to be in the show, but True, MTV yeah. didn't, and then and like the creators are just like just I don't stuck care, in the middle of the, <laughs> the fight. <laughs> yeah, like that's also entirely possible. Yeah, it's uh, it's such a bummer because like I know we've already said this, so we don't need to get dig you know dig into it all over again. I just wish he wasn't there. I'd rather you. I'd rather you just yeah. not have him than do him poorly. Because and no scene that he's ever been has been useful or necessary. No, it's always no. like time padding. All like of the, the journalistic one time anything mattered, and it 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 didn't even have to go this way. It was just like Peter being spiteful of Jameson and therefore going across the street to a different news outlet, but which he could have gone just there done anyway. anyway. Right, right, right. That could have just been the news outlet he goes to. <laughs> all the all the stuff that he would normally, all the info that he would normally get from the Daily Bugle to help the Spider Man stuff has been happening at Empire One with Indy instead. Anyway, right. so right, yeah. <laughs> Oh yeah, boy. Yeah, yeah. I've never like, I've never, th- I never would have thought that I would have like been asking for J. Jonah Jameson to not be in a Spider-Man thing. But it's but because we are. It's, it's, it's coming from a protective place though. I feel at least for yeah. me, right. Yeah, it's like, yeah, me, no, me it's too, like don't sure. you bring him into this if you're not going to do him right. You know what I yeah. mean? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. For sure. How dare you? <laughs> mm-hmm. But yeah, like I said, Peter's got a Zellner's address from Flash. He actually confirms it with Indy at later because uh, she's. That. we know that she's been looking into it. So yeah, I love that too. I love the way that she's actually involved in the Spider-Man story in this episode. Mm-hmm. So yeah, so he's like, all right, cool. I know this is correct information. So he suits up as Spider-Man and not Peter. And so when he makes his way to Zellner's, Indy tries to pick up uh, Peter's relationship conversation from a few days ago while they're on the phone. But Peter, like, this is one of the times when his obliviousness does kind of, like, uh, show its face because he's, like, super excited to have figured out how the twins got so smart. Like, oh, this is all connected. The twins, Flash, Dr. Zellner. I figured it all out. So he's, like, super excited and, like, yeah, awesome, great, and hangs up on her, which is awkward, obviously, for their whole relationship vibe. I'm still hopeful, though, because her reaction to it wasn't, like melodramatic sad mj reaction it wasn't like big goopy tears you know reaction it was more like a what just happened type reaction which i'm hoping just as like her knowing that peter's kind of uh like a strange bird a little bit you know Mm -hmm. and it's just like that that was weird (laughs) they are both on the story so like she probably is like she's probably excited too so it's like weird but then she's like right on 
right on track chasing this yeah. big story right after it anyway so yeah yeah <laughs> well spider-man arrives to zellner's lab and the twins att- the twins and the twins attempt to restrain him for zellner's experiments they basically like trick him into jumping into one of the lab chairs which zellner is able to restrain him with because it has remote control restraints so He's trapped now. (laughs) Uh, The twins, though, aren't happy enough with him being trapped. uh, And so they shock him a whole bunch, which nearly knocks him out. And then Zelda's like, hey, don't do that. Because the more you shock him, the more his adrenaline's going to go up. And the more his adrenaline goes up, the less this experiment's going to work. It's going to fuck the whole thing up. So cut it out. And they're like, okay, well, that's fine. Just use this tranquilizer. I think this is a whole lot of... It's annoying. Nothing. It, they don't need it. It's a lot of padding. Yeah. It, it. I guess like the only thing it benefits is like the exact next thing that happens. But like. They also could have just injected him with a tranquilizer anyway. Like it, skipping it, all this stuff. Yeah. It's. I, it basically, I think, exists so that they can inject him with stuff because they have the like horror moment of him injecting Spider-Man with a tranquilizer and they do the like jump noise like before they go to commercial. Um, And then I think they also play it for like a web joke. (laughs) It it serves like other things more than it serves the next thing. (laughs) Well, I think, I think him being, I think the fact that he's not fighting super powered characters, I think Mm, works because it, it lessens him. I think that that's fine. I think that they could have just, as soon as he showed up, they shot him with a tranquilizer because that was what they are going to do. As opposed to going through the whole, like, stop shocking him. You're raising his adrenaline. Right. Like, cause that, that's, that stuff is all kind of weird (laughs) and and unnecessary. They go through too many steps to get to something they could have just done. Right. And then he gets injected with a tranquilizer again later on anyway, too. So like, which (laughs) is interesting actually, because like, okay, so he's been, he's been injected with this tranquilizer and Zellner is like, okay, well, he's not quite ready for the experiment because we've just, We've raised his adrenaline a bunch. We've tranquilized him or whatever. So, like, give him a second. And while they're waiting, Flash frees Spidey. But, like, Spidey also tells Flash to trust him. And then seemingly, I think if I'm reading this right, acts at least woozier than he actually is. Which isn't yeah. to say he's not woozy. Yeah. But, like, plays it up yeah. um, so that the twins are, like, fooled and he can sort of overcome them. Um and like trick them and like escape from his chair. Right. Like he, he kind of played it up. I read that right. Okay. Yeah. That's, that's how I read it too. Okay. But he does get injected later. And I think, well, I guess he, I guess he doesn't. No, because he, he can isn't... still he's he's acting like in this scene that he's like literally about to pass out. And later on, it just like it just kind of hinders. Yeah, him. I guess he like, doesn't get to that point. Okay. Yeah. yeah. No, it, it, okay. It lines up. It, it works. It works. Yeah. yeah. Um, But anyway, they're so so they're fighting this like sort of woozy Spider-Man. But the thing is, the twins are also weak from the experiments. Mm-hmm. So everyone's just kind of like sucky at fighting. Like they're all just like <laughs> ragdoll fighting because Spider-Man's not not affected by the tranquilizer. Luckily, Spider-Man is just better at fighting hindered because he's a superhero. And yeah. he's also coming up from being tranquilized and they're coming down from being strong i guess if that makes any sort of sense right so he is able to like overcome them and basically dispose them for the rest of the episode i don't really think they're in it uh after this no no a couple of things this is when the like the webbing joke happens right when yeah 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 his web and it just like doesn't it just so like- <laughs> <laughs> this is what reminded me because i was like at first my first react totally like just 
total transparency. This joke happened and I was like, this is so fucking stupid. Why would this affect his web shooters? And then I was like, oh, that's right. He doesn't have web shooters because this is the this is the Raimi Spider-Man. And that's like the only reason I remembered he didn't have web shooters in this series. That's so funny. Because I had to figure out why this joke made any sense. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's very funny. Yeah. Like, because the web just kind of comes out and just kind of like bloop, bloop, just yep. like, kind of falls. Like, it doesn't actually shoot mm-hmm. out. It's like, that never happens. So it's yeah. like, ah, come joke. Cool. Uh, <laughs> which, hey, you know, I, that's, it's, it's, it's Spider Man's webbing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it makes sense. Guest writer James Cameron. <laughs> this is this is a weird tidbit that surprised me but on the commentary they said that they use motion capture for what? the tw- yeah they said that they use motion capture for the twins and i guess i guess just the twins during this fight sequence with spider-man and then because they're talking about how like they use motion capture to get like the actual motion of the twins while they're fighting um, and then had to integrate Spider-Man into it because you can't use motion capture with Spider-Man because he flips all around. Um, or, which then I'm just like, why did you need motion capture for the twins? Then well, <laughs> Are they talking about this? Are, are Do they I and think, we have the same understanding of motion capture? Well, or are they talking about a different type? Because... Because motion capture certainly existed, but it was not like in widespread use. Right. But I guess you, they was, <laughs> I think you would still use it for like video games and stuff. And I think they're using it in that regard where you're sort of getting like the motions that your like puppet character models will use that you sure. like, adapt to. I guess what I'm trying to understand is like when they're talking about motion capture, are they talking about it as reference or are they talking about it as like we're actually translating the motion that we are pulling from a human body? And putting it into our computer because it seems like a long way to go for like, I mean, did they do it for did they do it for other episodes? <laughs> like, this is the only time I've ever heard like, the mention motion capture. It's on just the wild to me because like this show came out in two thousand three, right? Mm-hmm. Lord of the Rings is honestly one of the first things that I think the average person would have even really been. I think the average person was probably largely introduced to motion capture through Lord of the Rings because of Andy mm-hmm. Circus, who is still like at the forefront of motion capture or is still like mm-hmm. the best known motion capture person. So that's wild. That's really fascinating. Yeah. I, I, Oh man, I want to know so more or so more. I want to know so much more of like, if they were actually doing like what we understand to be motion capture, that's wild. Mm-hmm. Damn. And for those characters of all characters, I don't know. I know that, that I mean, like I know that, that video games have used like, motion capture for a long time and not really in the same, like there's like, it's, there's more movie like motion capture now. But I think even before that, just to like get character movements, like sure. in the computer, yeah, like yeah, yeah. it's not like you're actually filming, you know, getting getting the literal thing. It's just like, yeah, you know, I'm not, I'm not questioning that they did. I'm not, I'm not trying to say like they just videotaped somebody and called it motion capture. I just want to know what they did. Yeah, <laughs> I know sure. motion capture existed and that they were using it. <laughs> mm-hmm. I'm just surprised that this this production used it. Yeah, yeah, me too. That definitely like raised a red flag for me. Like, really? Okay. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> and for the yeah. twins. Mm-hmm. <laughs> the biker twins. <laughs> yeah. Well, Zellner uses Spider-Man's fight with the twins as an opportunity to take Flash as a hostage and make an escape. Uh, luckily for Spider-Man, as he makes his way outside to follow them, uh, Indy arrives in the Empire One van. This is lucky because... 
uh, he's still still a little bit woozy, so he doesn't catch up right away, and they're pretty much gone by the time he gets outside. So she's like, can I give you a ride? And he hops in the van, uh, and he uses this opportunity to conserve energy, because swinging around wouldn't really work. We saw what his webbing was doing. And uh, he uses the opportunity to research Zellner using the van's computer and internet, uh, which is pretty cool. He asks if this thing has internet, which in 2003, I wouldn't have bet on it. Yeah. I love that Indy's like his lowest lane and she's also kind of like his Oracle at the same time. Mm-hmm. Like she's like the computer person who's like feeding him information and they still do like the lowest lane, like reporter kind of thing. Like, Oh, I'll trade yeah. you an exclusive for, for help kind of deal. Like whether, and also still flirty at the same time. Like mm-hmm. stuff's so fun. She's such a fun character. Yeah. She's really fun. She's good. She's good. Uh huh. So meanwhile, on a subway car, Flash attempts to tell Zellner how to create an antidote for his deterioration because he's still kind of in smart mode right now. But Zellner dismisses him, saying he can't go back to the lab with Spider-Man pursuing him. So sorry, Flash, you're out of luck. You're my hostage until you die. This is weird. (laughs) He does kind of say that. He's like, you just need to hang out for like two more stops and then you'll die. I'm like, does, is he useful to you at that point? That's the thing. <laughs> like, he, he calls him a hostage don't you need explicitly. Him to be alive? <laughs> he calls him a hostage explicitly, and I don't really understand like yeah. how he's how he's hostaging him. Like what? Or, he's what, more of a human <laughs> shield, but like yeah. even with a human shield, you need him to be alive. Like Spider Man is just going to kick your ass if if Flash really dies. Weird. He's just going to kick your ass harder. It's really weird. I guess it's. I guess it would be a thing where if Spider Man because sh- he has a gun, right? So I guess it would be a thing that if, yeah. if Spider Man shows up, he's like, "I'll I th- will threaten to kill you, uh, or I'll I'll you know I'll threaten to kill him if you hurt me," kind of thing. Which yeah, I guess is still like a human shield type of situation. It's I guess it really is just the two stops thing. Maybe he's it's just like, how far away are you? I guess I guess theoretically point, he th- could also be banking on Spider Man not knowing that the twins and Flash are going to die. Does Spider Man mm-hmm. know that explicitly? I don't know if he knows. I guess he if he doesn't, then it works, that. right? I think he can. I, but I feel yeah. like he probably assumes that. I'm sure he does. I'm sure he <laughs> yeah. does. Yeah. I'm just trying know. to think of where this could have made sense. Yeah. I guess he figures his protection is that he can threaten to shoot Flash if Spider-Man shows up before he gets in those two stops. And then by, by the time he gets two stops away, he's far enough away from Spider-Man that he won't catch up with him because the subway goes fast. What's in two, what's in two stops. Cylinder? I think that's, <laughs> I think that's more just the timing of it. It's like, cool. Two stops away. That's when you're going to die. I'll probably be hard enough from Spider-Man. And like, that's it. I don't know. This episode was necessarily thought through that deep. No, a hundred percent. No, I think that's, I think there's no question. <laughs> <laughs> But either way, right on cue, Spider-Man does catch up with the train before they get two stops away. Uh, manages to use Flash's football skills to catch Zellner off guard. Remember that Fla- football move? And he does some foot. What does he just like elbow? No, or he something? just elbows like, him in the gut, which you absolutely cannot do right, in football. Like, what football move is that? Like, did Flash get disqualified because of that move? Like, maybe. Yeah, maybe that's what it is. Remember the move, the one, the most infamous move where you elbowed somebody in the gut, just, like ruined your football career because of it, kicked off the team. Yeah, that move. <laughs> oh man, yeah. So. Spidey and Zellner clash in a darkened subway car. Very cool. Um, yeah, I like, I, I mean, we've said it before. I love when Spider-Man has fights in like very closed in spaces. And this is how much more closed in can you get than a yeah. subway car? And this is um, their lighting moment. This is their featured lighting moment where they do lots of shadows and flashing. And 
Yeah, and, like the uh, lights are flashing, and obviously, you know, it's a subway, so like sometimes it's in a tunnel and it's very dark. Sometimes mm-hmm. you get flashes of light as it passes through things. I, it's done very effectively. It makes the, you know, it's just a fight sequence between Spider-Man and an old scientist guy. guy who can't fight. So like, if you're going to try to make it as creative as possible, add some cool light and shit in it, it'll work. Yeah. But uh, but Zellner does kind of get the upper hand for a second because he, like we kind of referenced, stabs Spider-Man with another tranquilizer. Um, so Spider-Man's kind of extra woozy, kind of off his game. That gives him a chance to fire off a number of shots. Um, but despite the tranquilizer and a barrage of bullets, Spider-Man's like, I'm still Spider-Man. So he's able to flip his way uh, through the car to Zellner, like kick his gun out of the window or whatever. And then he knocks Zellner out and he's defeated. Yeah. Throws him into a window, right? He does. Well, back at the lab, Peter uses Zellner's research and Flash's muttering to create an antidote and restore Flash. This is all after he very romantically carries Flash in his arms uh, back to the lab. Very sweet. Uh, As Peter, right? He's already as Peter at this point. So Mm -hmm. uh, he does all this not as Spider-Man. He does it as Peter. So when Flash comes to, Peter's like, hey, buddy, I saved your life. Because Flash is like, what are you doing here? He's like, oh, I don't know. Just saving your life. And he's like, you didn't save my life. Spider-Man saved my life. You're just a punk and I hate you. Uh, and if it weren't for Spider-Man, I'd still be incapacitated. And he's trying to say incapacitated, <laughs> and that's how we know he's stupid now. <laughs> <laughs> that's 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 how we know. That's how we know. He's alive, but he's stupid again. <laughs> yeah. And then so, he storms off. Yep. Yep. Wow. Great. <laughs> you asshole. Mm-hmm. So later, Spidey finds Indy, follows up on their deal for an exclusive interview. Um According to the commentary, another tidbit from it, that was originally going to be the last scene was that Spidey shows up to, you know, to, 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 to do an exclusive interview with Indy and then it would cut to black. This, I think like, it extra, could have been. Yeah. This extra little tag with Flash was like added. I think the director, I think, asked him to add it in because they wanted to have one more scene with Flash. I don't think it's bad. I like, I don't think that where they ended it was bad, but I think it also could have very just as easily ended with the interview. Yeah. It really is just this last scene is just flash finds MJ. Uh, he tries to pick her up again, but of course he's back to his normal self. So he's like not eloquent anymore. I wish I had written it down. Did you write down what he says? No, I didn't. (laughs) I think he says something to the effect of like, Hey, why don't you bring that babitude over here or something? Yeah. I think that's exactly what it is. Actually (laughs) uses the word babitude, (laughs) which I don't know. Honestly, Honestly, I get that he's being like a pig, but honestly, it's kind of it's better charming. than what he did before. <laughs> it's kind of charming. I would actually think that that would be really endearing. I would laugh more than someone just like saying lots of Shakespeare. It would me. make me laugh at the very least. It would break yeah. the ice way better than Shakespeare would. <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah. I'd roll right. my eyes at you and make fun of you, but the ice would be broken. Yeah. Yeah, but but MJ not endorsing no. everybody just because it's no. good for us doesn't mean you should go up to a stranger and, and comment on their babitude. <laughs> babitude, <laughs> it's just such an absurd thing to yeah. say. Like <laughs> no one talks like that. <laughs> and Mary Jane's like, no one talks like that. Leave me alone. <laughs> You're weird. Um, and Harry's like, what did you ever see in him? And she's like, well, I just thought his take on Shakespeare was brilliant. And she says that he's, as Flash just randomly just like shoves a guy off the sidewalk because <laughs> he's a meathead again. Mm-hmm. Honestly, not the worst thing in the world for them to include that because at the very least, it is kind of weird that MJ 
cares at all that flash uh is suddenly eloquent but it reminds you that like oh yeah she is a theater student i guess so yeah suddenly she saw something because he suddenly saw theater i don't know i guess so (laughs) look you know mj not the greatest character um ever so you know i will anything anything that comes up with her it's just you're gonna just explain it with like yeah sure i guess yeah like (laughs) there's no there's no mj bible for this show no no one's referencing like how mj is does says or will be anywhere on this show Flash has a weakness. I mean, MJ has a weakness for men who quote Shakespeare. Sure, I guess we'll just add that to the list of things that sometimes <laughs> work make sense for a character. I guess. I feel like I feel like M- this shows MJ. If if she if there was like a wick, and I'm sure there is, but like just do the thought experiment with me. If there were a wiki for this show and there were a page just for this MJ, it would be the one that was just like a list of facts we learned about here sometimes as opposed to any sort of like actual personality section or background (laughs) or bio. It would just be like, likes when people quote Shakespeare. (laughs) She's just drinks coffee. (laughs) Goes to protests. Goes to protests for fun. For fun. (laughs) She's just like the female character who sometimes does things mm-hmm. in the plot yeah <laughs> that's it and she yep. likes peter parker sometimes <laughs> sometimes for some reason that's un- unclear yeah <laughs> what does she see in him i don't know oh yeah we have no <laughs> idea right this show's never made that clear we can I kind of understand why he might like her i guess although not even necessarily not really they haven't established her as like a popular girl or like no. a model or like a you know a social light or anything like there's nothing they haven't given her yeah. status she's definitely supposed to be pretty i think that's sure. maybe is where it stops but that's so hard with the show because everybody is pretty whether they're supposed to be uh-huh. or not that's very true <laughs> so i yep. don't know i don't know oh boy yeah i didn't really find a lot of good faces for this episode uh but the one that i picked out I thought it was kind of funny for a couple of reasons. When Dr. Zellner gets like kicked into the subway window, for one, it's just funny someone's face getting like smushed against the window. But because this show doesn't do any kind of like squash and stretch type things, his face isn't really squashed up against the window at all. They just like add a color effect <laughs> around his face and hands to make it look like it's like it's touching up against glass. the window. Like yeah. it's touching glass. Yeah, that's it. That's all they do. And I think on its own frame, it looks kind of funny. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> nothing nothing deep, nothing much deeper to it, just like with this episode. Just a funny Not, face. Just a just a funny just a, some funny stuff in this episode. Not really anything much deeper than that. Yeah. <laughs> I I think this episode's fine. I had fun watching fine. this episode. I think it's fine. It's a perfectly serviceable episode of a superhero cartoon. All the indie it, stuff is great. And, and and all the indie stuff is great. Yeah. It's got highlights in the indie stuff and everything else is just like, okay, you wrote a superhero cartoon episode and and that's fine. Where does it fit into this show and what this show is? No idea. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> what does it tell us about this show? Probably nothing. <laughs> yep. You know. Because <laughs> it doesn't even play into like, like you said, there's no gray area and that's something the show does like to do. There's not a ton of interpersonal conflict among the main cast. In fact, things are generally pretty smooth among the main main players. So that's not really that they're not really doing that. There's no real like we were monsters all along. 
right? Like <laughs> oh that's not a God. thing. And these are all things that have have sort of they've they've all shown up at least you know more than a couple times on this show. But yeah, no, this is <laughs> this is just like this could have just been like a '90s episode with a few tweaks. Hell, it could have it could have been like an Amazing Friends episode with some tweaks. You know, uh, like what if, f- like you said, what if Dummy was smart? Flash Thompson was in Amazing Friends. Like, have yeah, he shows up, becomes super smart, and then chaos ensues. Like, yeah. there you go. And those those older shows, like the '80s and '60s show, love like a Mad Scientist too. So, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I mean, maybe th- maybe this is an homage, you know, Shut to the more up. classic cartoons. <laughs> Uh, yeah, you know, sure. even the twins feel like, you know, the sort of brutish henchmen uh, that do, you might have yeah. gotten in Spider Woman. I think this is actually art, maybe. Mm. <laughs> sure. It's fine. It's fine. I, I, yeah, it's I don't fine. actually have much negative stuff to say about this episode. No, I don't really have much to say at all anymore. Yeah. <laughs> I'm good. <laughs> it's fine. Cool. Cool. Well, if you'd like next. to hear us say plenty about plenty of different things, all sorts of topics. You can check out our Patreon at patreon.com slash wallopingwebsnappers where we talk about comics, movies, other TV shows that aren't necessarily Spider-Man. Uh, sometimes we even rank things, uh, obscure things from Spider-Man rankings. Um, and most of that is available for just a dollar. And we've started to unlock some of our some of our original content. So you can even get a little tasting menu of what we do over there and see if, uh, see if any of those tiers are for you. Check it out. Like I said, patreon.com slash wallopingwebsnappers and check out our discord there should be a link in the bio or in the bio in the show notes um if you uh if you can't find it just let us know in the meantime you can find derek and me all over the place derek where can people find you and the stuff you're working on Sure, you can find me on Twitter at Derek B. Gale. You can also find my other podcast, Gimmicks, which looks at the high-concept, experimental, structure-breaking gimmick episodes of television with a new guest and a new show every week. You can find that anywhere you get your podcasts or on Twitter and Instagram at GimmicksPod. What about you, Doug? You can find me on Twitter at IckyBooley, I-C-K-Y-B-O-O-L-E-Y. You can also listen to me on another podcast here on the 4 Radio Network called Victory Road. It's a Pokemon podcast where we talk about whatever we feel like in the world of Pokemon. And if you like books and video games, you can listen to me on a podcast called Novel Gaming, where my friends Katie and Vicky and I catch up on all of the media we've been consuming lately. If you'd like more from Derek and me, you can check out our monthly podcast, Falling With Style. It's an ongoing Pixar movie marathon where we watch every Pixar film chronologically our episode on coco is out now wherever you get your podcasts please visit us on our website at wallopingwebsnapper.com which has a full archive of everything derek and i are working on together and follow walloping web snappers on twitter instagram and facebook at walloping web pod you can always email us at walloping web snappers podcast at gmail.com and rate review and subscribe on any podcast platform if you like what we're doing here somebody else will too and they just haven't found us yet and those ratings and reviews make us appear in search results more frequently it's a very very specific cause and effect if you rate and review we show up more next week spidey tries to thwart an assassination plan in spider-man disabled I I I probably know who's in that, but you know, if it's my guess is with this show. <laughs> yeah, if I were to if I were if I had a batting average for my guesses, I'd I'd probably only be batting like five hundred. It'd only get uh-huh. half of them right, which I guess for a batting average is pretty good. Anyway, bye. Bye. 